Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Capes and Tights podcast here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This week, we welcomed Matthew Klein and Morgan Beam of the comic book Crashing over at IDW Publishing. The two talked about their journey into comic books, the creation of the comic books, and other random comic book events and things. Uh, Matthew talked a little bit about the business side of it as he works for Penguin Random House as well. Uh, So enjoy this episode with uh, Morgan Beam and Matthew Klein of Crashing. Welcome to the podcast. How are you guys? Doing good. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. No problem. Uh, it's sometimes funny having three people on talking because I talk generalized things and ask for one of you guys to speak. And then the other one's like, well, is the other one going to speak? <laughs> but it happens. We'll get through this right here. But um, let's talk a little bit. I want to know about you two's. Yeah, you too, but you guys, uh, your <laughs> introduction to the beginning of comic books, like how comic books became part of your life, not working in comics, but actually like reading it and, and taking into comics. Matthew, you want to start that one? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> so it's it's interesting because we, we've done enough podcasts now when we've got that question. So I feel like we could almost tell each other's stories. Um, we're, we're at that point in the, in the news cycle. Um, so for, for me, um, I actually didn't start really reading comics until I was in college. Um, the first comic I ever got, my uncle bought me a copy of Superman 75, you know, the death of Superman, bought two copies. One was to save, to pay for college, which did not pay for anything at college, um, in 2005. And then, uh, one was for me to read, but it was the very end of a story. So it was like cool big action sequences, but it didn't grab me. I, did, I didn't care about Superman. So it just was like, I never read. Um, I think he also bought me Death of, of Jason Todd at one point. Um, again, end of a story, did not care. Um, so like I got really familiar with the characters to like the animated series in the 90s. You know, Batman animated series, terrible. We lost Kevin Conroy so yes. recently. Um, but, uh, but it was college. There was a a really, there was a girl down the hall that I had a big crush on and she was reading the 52 weekly series. Mm -hmm. And so I started getting into graphic novels to have something to talk about with her. And that was, that was how I started out. That's awesome. Didn't didn't get the date by the way, never got the date, but ended (laughs) up getting a career. So there you go. (laughs) Compilation prize. Yes. (laughs) Um, yeah, and I started, you know, when I was like, I don't know, nine years old, I was like totally obsessed with Sailor Moon. Um, you know, it, it used to run, I think at like 6 a.m. on like Kids WB. Uh, and it was just like the coolest thing for for tiny child me. Um, and I figured out through a local bookstore. Um, so originally they had done like the serialization of novels based on, do you remember that? They used to do that with like a bunch of like kids TV shows where they would mm-hmm. just make like light novels. Um, yeah. Like based almost like on the transcript of the TV show. Um, and so I started reading those, uh, which I, I don't know, like gravitated to even better than watching the show. Um, and then I figured out, I was trying to find the next one to see if I could read ahead of essentially where the show was at. Um, and the, uh, sales worker on, on 
at this bookstore was like, oh, actually those look like, she's like in my computer, it says they're upstairs, not downstairs where I was finding them. And I went upstairs and that's where all the manga and comics was. And then I was just completely sold. So, um, you know, I got into American comics definitely via manga. Um, that was a big thing when I was younger. And then right around like high school, um, kind of high school, college age, I discovered like, I started reading, um, a lot of like uh like aspen comics uh and witchblade and that kind of you know super 90s yes. <laughs> kind of 90s leftover comics uh a lot of x-men uh came up for me um and then you know kind of through there i discovered um you know kind of how awesome comics could be I, I discovered a lot of like vertigo and dark horse and image things that weren't necessarily just just superhero books which in my mm-hmm. mind up to then was kind of all comics were yeah uh yeah, that's uh, that's kind of was my gateway. <laughs> I, I just love how you brought up Matthew. You brought up um, Death of Superman because we have this conversation a lot. My my local comic book shop where I buy my comics that people always come in like you never guess what I got, and they're like have a poly bag Death of Superman comic book, and they think that somehow it's going to pay for someone's college tuition. And my, my buddy goes, I gave away those at free comic book day a couple of years ago. <laughs> He's oh, like, yeah. I had so many of them that he was just like, here's the free comics that I got from, you know, the distributor. Here's a free comic that you want. And they're like, what really that and X-Men number one, like one with all the variant covers. Yeah. And he just gave those away. <laughs> so it, it, I, I, to, to follow through on this tangent for a minute. Um, yeah. So, um, did you ever get the DVD of Superman Doomsday, the animated series, the animated film? The reason I would suggest this, Justin, if you could track this down, maybe they they have the extras on HBO Max. I got to check it out. But there is a phenomenal documentary on there about how they, you know, with all the writers and editors about how they created um, the event for, for killing off Superman. But they have a lot of news footage about the death that comes out and you see these giant lines of people and they're interviewing them and they're like, I've never bought a comic before, but I think this is going to, you know, be worth something one day. And it's just line after line, person after person. <laughs> it's amazing to see the hysteria that there was back then. It's absolutely worth checking out for any fan of comics and who's interested in like the mindset of collectors and what the industry was like before the crash. Yeah. It's, track down this documentary it's worth it it's it's just so funny because it's like i don't know did did people think that he wasn't going to come back like i don't like let's be honest they thought he wasn't coming back they would know well you gotta remember it wasn't done that often um this was because that was really one of the first big events where they did that people weren't aware that they'd killed him two or three times in the 60s and 70s and brought him back like two issues later right (laughs) Um, he died a few times by that point, but no, it hadn't happened when comics were this like mainstream popular. There wasn't uh, news coverage for it. It was so, and and then they started killing everybody at a certain <laughs> point or, or, you know, and revamping all the heroes. Then Nightfall happens like a year later because of Superman and everything. Yeah. So, so, so my parents were in line for my brother because at the time, I, I you know, mm-hmm. my brother's two years older than me. He was into comic books before I was. And so they went sure. in line, Chris's Comics in Newburyport, no, um, Salem, New Hampshire, or, or yeah, somewhere around there in New Hampshire, and and grabbed the book for him. And they were so excited. And to this day, they still bring up, like, how much is that worth now? And I'm like, Mom, I have a copy now that I didn't pay for. 
And she's like, oh gosh, really? That sucks. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It, it happens in comic book industry. I've got thousands of comic books that most of them are worth nothing. So it's, it happens. <laughs> no, I mean, I look, I, before my, my day job used to be, I worked for Valiant Entertainment. I was, mm. I worked my way up to vice president of sales and marketing. And so the speculator market, you still make comics for. It's part of your business model for yep. just about everybody. Um, and, and we made glass covers. We made carbon fiber covers. We made, uh, no, I, I've got them here. I'll show yeah. you if you want to get them on camera. Like we, we just did the craziest stuff possible, but that's how you got noticed. And, yep. and speculator, the speculator market is a market you have to be aware of. Um, and, and it gets stores as much as people say they hate incentive covers, it does increase your sales short term. Yeah. And when you are a business and you have to justify the expense of a book, um, and you have to justify paying artists a certain amount of money and you have to justify keeping an issue going for so long, guess what? You've got to make, you've got to make the book profitable somehow. And you've got to make the book buzzworthy. Mm -hmm. somehow to get media attention for it like podcasts like these yes so guess what yeah we'll make a glass cover absolutely we'll make <laughs> yeah. a glow in the dark metal cover yeah. absolutely if that's what it takes to get people to notice your book out of the 500 choices they have every month then sure let's do it so, i mean on and, top and that's of really what it is now on top of the cover artist right <laughs> Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> the the comic artist or cover artist. That one's that one's getting a little tricky now too. <laughs> well, and and also some be, be, again, you also got to think of uh, there. Most cover artists don't move the needle on books yeah. anymore, um, and and that's just the way it is. I mean, I love <laughs> Alex Ross. I love Alex Ross. Alex Ross does not move a book the way he used to. Because no, no, no. He, well, because every because you get a new Alex Ross yeah. cover every month. It's mm -hmm. not special anymore in the way it used to be, right? But yeah. an Alex Ross glow-in-the-dark glass cover mm -hmm. would move the needle, right? Yeah. Jim Lee barely does covers anymore. That's why a Jim Lee cover will still move a book move and needle, you yeah. make it a one in 5,000 if it's a, a, you know, just art on there. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's it's a different thing when, when big high-name artists get oversaturated in the marketplace. They no longer drive sales in terms of variant covers like that. It's the way it works. Um, so you need to find something gimmicky to do it. Um, and then also some publishers can't afford an Alex Ross cover. Yes. You know what I mean? So they've got to, they've got to come up with other means that, you know, we'll, we'll try and get it. And, and also sometimes publishers don't have enough of a lead time to book artists six months, eight months, 10 months out for a book to get a slot in there. Like Mark Brooks, you got to book them six to eight months, at least for a cover. Um, if then you can get them. So, and some publishers don't have that time built into their schedule. Um, our editor would, cause she's Heather Antos and she's the best at what she does. But, yeah. but a lot of smaller publishers like Mad yes. Cave can't do that. No. Um, Scout can't do that. Um, like they, they just don't have the bandwidth for it. And it's, it's a different story. Sorry, we're getting into the business of comics. That's yes, yes, right. We, we did a, uh, I did a book with a friend of mine, Joseph Schmalky out of Maine. Uh, yeah, he's a horror comic Joseph. writer. Yeah. And he, um, released a book called seven years in darkness, uh, independently mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. And then he signed on with CEX. So that will be coming out in May of 2023 with CEX, but, right uh, the local comic book shop that I go to and myself, I uh, went in together and did a variant cover for it for the sure. shop. And so we have a, we have a double mirror of metal cover. So it's metal front and metal back. 
Uh, I think you'd kill someone. I swear to God, you just like <laughs> if someone breaks into my house. That's what I'm going for to help stab someone to get him out of my house. Absolutely. No, uh, and uh, those we only ordered 25 of them, but they sold way faster than anything else, and they were like twice yeah. as expensive as the as the uh, just a very regular store variant. Yeah, they are, but they're not reader copies, right? Yeah. Those are not people that are reading the book. Those are not people who will buy issue two. That yeah. is the thing. Those are all short term sales things for the most part like the majority of those people who buy them are not they're collectors yeah they're not readers for the most part that's that's what it is i see it all the time with every series you can think of the majority of those folks are not big readers um if you do it again on issue two they'll buy it because yeah. they'll start collecting it as a set but mm -hmm. issue one it's it's purely for speculators and people mm -hmm. who collect that stuff absolutely uh, you know, speaking of variant covers and stuff like that, when you guys, you know, we'll get into more about crashing itself, but like when you guys chose, had the variant covers for your issue one per se, per se do you guys talk about that together? Do people approach you? How does that work? Um, Matthew, you might know a little bit more about that than I do. I feel like, um, again, as Matthew uh, mentioned, um, our editor on the book um, is Heather Anatos, and yeah. she's just like the best. <laughs> she's just, she's so like organized on top of it and also knows everybody. Um, so at least from my end, it was like Heather just like went out. I don't know if people were coming to her. She was, I imagine, seeking out people and found like fabulous artists. Um, and then she would just turn in um, essentially like concept sketches. Um, you know, the cover artist would be like, here's yeah. my idea, or here's a couple, and, and maybe we'd help pick from one, um, and just kind of went that way, because I know that some of them, you know, were, were through, were just general variants, um, you know, some of them, I think, were store exclusives, um, and that one, usually, you know, the store wants to have, yeah. let's say, in the artist, you know, whether it's a local artist or, or something like that. Um, yeah, That's Matthew, awesome. do you know a bit more about how Heather found people, or were you finding people? I don't know. I just got the, the sketches, and I was like, great. Yeah, it's like, good. <laughs> No, generally, generally for books, it's up to the editors to okay. go past the variant covers. Um, every editor has a slightly different process of how they do it. Sometimes they simply uh, say, hey, here's your artist. Um, you know, for, for work for hire stuff like Marvel, DC, they don't really consult talent almost ever. They pretty much um, will, will just go out and cast an artist. Um, obviously, if it's creator-owned, like Image, then the, the creator's We'll give like a wish list and say go get these people or we'll actually be the ones to reach out and then pair it up with an artist but that's creator owned this is a little different because this is creator driven and idw owned, owned yeah. so it's so it's still work for hire technically um so what what i recall was essentially heather came to uh the whole team morgan and i and and the others and said you know do you have a wish list of artists that you want me to reach out to um, and like, or what type of, because also she was thinking of my, my assumption is not just who the artists are, but also what type of artwork we were thinking, like what yeah. type of style. Um, and then she went out and, and booked the actual artists themselves. And then as Morgan said, she would send us like the, the concept, she would send us the, to get notes on, she would send us the pencils to get notes on, she would send us the colors to chime in on. Um, which was really great. You know, it's a very, she was very, she made sure that we were included at every stage of the process, yeah. but also was very clear of like, she's still the boss at a certain point and like the final decision will lie with her um, as it should. That's, that yeah, is the editor's, job, yeah. that is the editor's job of the book. It's not mine as the writer or Morgan as the interior artist. Um, but there was 
from the beginning, obviously, Morgan was going to be the main cover artist. Mm -hmm. we, we were adamant about that. I love that. As a reader, I prefer that. You want the, the outside of the book to match the inside for those main uh, cover arts. And then, you know, the, the variant artists are great because they can attract a slightly different customer yeah. um, with a slightly different art style to pick up the book, which is really what they're designed for. And yes. I think we, gotta, we have such a strong lineup of cover artists. I think everybody... Um, really brought their a game and and kudos to Heather for getting that work out of them. I, I think I think they're great. I, I think all variant covers are great. I am always in my in my local comic book shop owner is going to listen to this podcast for sure. Is I'm a cover A kind of guy. I just think that right. I'm not as much as Brian K. Vaughn who doesn't really believe in in variant covers at all. But I, I think that you know I'm a big Scotty Young fan. I love his artwork. I have sure. multiple Scotty Young tattoos and there's a time and a place and as a cover for it. But if I buy a Scotty Young cover and all likelihood I'm buying cover A as well because I think right. that I the, the Scotty Young one's my collectible and the A is the reader. And the downside was is that I missed out somehow at my LCS on issue two of crashing. <laughs> so oh, I have yeah. I so in my box at the shop I have a cover C and I was like, no, but I wanted cover A. So he's getting me a cover A from, from it. But but I was laughing because I'm like, he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't I get cover say, A. I think, we, I think we still have like 50 copies of cover yeah. A left on issue two. So we're, we should you should be good, man. Tell them to place their order with Penguin Random House. They'll get it. You know, you're in Maine. It's a two-day ship. Yeah. It's free shipping, free freight. Go and enjoy. He's, he's got it. Yeah, he's got it. He's on it. He's on it. But uh, yeah, so it was kind of funny. But I do agree with your uh, the artist, interior artist being the cover artist on the first issue makes a huge difference because you get like you don't have to open the physical issue and find out what the art's going to look like you can tell on the front yeah. cover and i think that's part of the Absolutely. reason i mean there's multiple reasons why crashing stood out to me and i don't know when i wrote my little review on on the site for it was that for some reason it didn't really like stand out to me as like the comic book i need to read this week but it ended mm -hmm. up being like the best comic book that was released that week well, which is awesome and one of my favorites of the year. And that's why I wanted to talk to you guys. The first thing, I mean, we talked prior to recording, uh, Matthew and I, about how, what I do for a living and I'm a graphic designer. Who created the logo? Uh, that was IDW. Their production okay. staff worked with um, worked with Heather to create that logo. Um, and, and Heather, again, similar to the, the variant covers, Heather was sending us um, different drafts and different concepts to the end. Like, and we were like, well, we like this. Can we combine this element with that element? You know, we were giving all of our notes. Um, and then it came down to this logo, which I will be very upfront and say, I did not like this logo at first. I, <laughs> I was not sold on this logo. Uh -huh. It's in writing. It's in black and white in the email thread where I was like, you know, it's, it's okay. And now I've grown to absolutely love it. So I was dead wrong. I hope Heather listens to this and she hears <laughs> me say I was dead wrong. And Morgan and her were completely right. I love being wrong. <laughs> Um, and I'm frequently wrong. And in this case, I was very wrong. So, yeah. It's our email threads, I think, are really fun because I think the three of us um, are all strong, strong opinioned people. Uh, but we play very nice. So it's, it's worked out. But it is so funny sometimes when it's like, okay, but can it be like a little bit more like this? And somebody be like, no, it's going to be like this. And you're like, but can it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And, which is why, yeah, it's good then to have, you know, Heather as also a strong personality who can come in and be like, the discussion is done now. This is what we're going. Well, it's just funny. I, as a graphic designer and as a, as a can, I, I designed beer cans uh, uh, for a brewery. Oh, nice. and, and, and part of that is there's times where I've put fake fonts in things, mm -hmm. into things so that they're obviously bad. So they pick the one that I like. 
Yeah. So you have to make something really bad so that they pick the thing that like, okay, well, out of these options, I like this the best. And I'm like, sounds good. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. only once or twice I've had to actually like put my foot down and be like, I will resign if you pick this. <laughs> like, this is not going to work. I cannot do this. The colors don't work. The yeah. letters are ugly. Well, and, and that's huge to me. I think that's one thing that's like a designer. It might be just me, but logos uh, for a comp book are huge to me. And I think that yeah, there's a couple of nice. comp books over the past six, eight months that I've, I've looked at and said, I want to read this, but it, 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 it looks like no offense to anybody who does Kickstarter. It looks like a Kickstarter cover, like someone who who's trying to get this without the backing of some sort of publisher. And, and, mm-hmm. and it, it just looks, I don't know, say cheesy and, mm-hmm. and, and cheap and something about crashing to me just had that whole flow and with Morgan's artwork on the cover and all that stuff, it definitely worked. So yes, you were wrong, Matthew. <laughs> oh, no. And, and it's one of those things, like, again, I, I come from the sales and marketing side yes. of, of, um, of comics and like your logo is extremely important mm-hmm. um, because you've it's just like every other part of the cover it's got to catch someone's eye you know you don't make covers and you don't make logos for hardcores that you know are going to pick it up regardless yeah. it's to get new eyes it's to attract attention it's also to sell the ip you know as much as we we want to think people just make comics for the sake of making comics it's just not the business anymore right yes. so it's all part of your presentation material it's all part of your pitch for a second series for, you know, to, to take it beyond and, and see that work get a new life in other media too. And, you know, one of the great things about working with IDW is they are a professional company and they care about every single aspect of the book. And Heather makes sure every single aspect of the book is looking great. And Morgan and myself, like everybody on this team yeah. gives a damn about every single aspect being the best it possibly can and how it creates the whole. And that's why I, I, I'm so spoiled by this being my first comic because I know it can't all be like this every every project. <laughs> and big shout out to IW and our book designer just talking about graphic design. I don't know if you have the issue there, but like the, you know, the design of like the credits page and sort of like that front flap with like the, yeah. yes, yeah, that Matthew's got it there. Oh my God, when we got that, I was like, this is genius. This is so good. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, awesome. you look at Marvel, it's just like a, a yeah. little block of text, yeah. right, is for their recap pages. And here we have something visually engaging yeah. for readers that literally the story starts before page one, yeah. um, which is so cool and so much well, fun. You got, yeah, like the little, the like pain faces on there. That's like how, you yeah. know, how much does it hurt? <laughs> yeah. You'll notice as the issues go on, that one gets progressively worse. Yeah. And I will say too, uh, the, the big thing for me, a big thumbs up to any comic book creators who have a synopsis of the last issue at the beginning why some comic books i'll point out immortal hulk from marvel for some weird reason it was a very deep very 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 good series but for some reason at the beginning of every issue they didn't tell you what happened in the previous issue and it always irked me because i I, it's a month between issues (laughs) like it's a long time justin do you want to hear my big idea that would change all of comics forever that i think comics should do so i think Sim- and because I see this all the time and I we, we did signing tours for crashing and I yeah. see this all the time when people are picking up a comic that they've never heard of before instinctively they turn the back mm-hmm. to the back cover because they're thinking they're they're doing exactly what they do with a book mm-hmm. and they're looking for a synopsis so what I would do is I would for every issue have a quick synopsis maybe it's the solicit text yeah um on the back cover and then have three quarters of the page or half page be the ad that you want there as well. But I would absolutely from now on put a little like the solicit text on the back of every single yes. comic. 
see so that and people you... because some people don't yeah. feel like they can open the book to see what's inside they first turn to the back cover to see if there's some kind of a synopsis there to get them to do it. Mm-hmm. Every single store I sign crashing at, every convention I've been at, that is what people who do not know this book and aren't sure what it is, they turn it over to the back first. <laughs> so that would be my, that's, that's my radical idea for the day. There's more business, business talk. You can make it sponsored. The, the synopsis is sponsored by Coca-Cola or whatever it may be on the back cover, right? Absolutely. Uh, so, sponsored by Moderna. Go get yeah, that. Yeah, so say, yeah. There you go. <laughs> it's a medical book. You could have it sponsored by It's a medical, medical book, book, right. Yeah. Get, get a Bye. pharmaceutical, get big pharma involved. Yeah. They, got the <laughs> they get the money, right? But um, so how did you, I mean, how did you guys come up with crashing? I mean, you, how did that start? Um, the germ of the idea happened during the, the height of the pandemic. Um, I, I, I started uh, with germ basically watching testimonials from doctors and nurses who were uh, just going through the trauma every single day of going into those hospitals and wards um, and being burned out and traumatized and trying to cope with the fact that they were involved in a world that was completely overwhelming where they had no idea if they could save anyone um, and what was going to happen to them personally. And watching them with that struggle is what inspired rose originally was the idea of this everyday hero involved in a world that was so much bigger than her in this case it's not covid it's superpowers you know it's people with powers um but the idea of watching these 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 true heroes who were talking about having panic attacks when they were in their car before they went into work and then having to do a 12-hour shift and then go home and do it again and losing people all day. Like that, that is where this book really uh, started to germinate from. That's awesome. And, and, and you got connected with Morgan. How did you guys get, how do you get connected to the project? Um, through, uh, you know, once Matthew had it down, was ready to pitch, um, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, he reached out to uh, a good mutual friend of ours, um, which Matthew has dubbed the Manic Pixie Dream Boy, which I think is very apt, uh, Ryan Katie, um, who's another fabulous comics writer. Um, Ryan and I worked together. We did a webtoon called Wolfsbane, sort of like a lone wolf and cub meets werewolves. <laughs> um, and uh, Ryan was the one who recommended me to Matthew. Um, and then Matthew reached out and emailed me and uh, we just kind of rolled from there. We did a little pitch together for, for a little while. We weren't 100% sure. Um, Heather was already connected to the project, but we weren't. 100% sure where it was going to land publisher wise. Um, and so it worked out great that, you know, kind of just as we were finishing up the pitch, um, you know, Heather became part of IDW and um, it was, it was just a great fit for the story. So. That's awesome. I, right? when, when I tell you, Justin, everything was right time, right place. It, it's truly the way this book worked. We, cause Heather and I knew each other from Valiant while she was there and I was there. So we became friends and during the pandemic, she pushed me and was like, why are you not writing comic pitches? Because I was a playwright and I was doing audio dramas at the time. And, but theater shut down because mm-hmm. live events shut down. So I finally got it together. And then through the Magic Pixie Dream Boy of Ryan Katie, um, we, we brought Morgan on, uh, did Heather and I at that point. And then as Morgan said, Heather came on board at IDW while we were in the midst of, of getting these preview pages done. And then IDW was in the midst of looking to do a huge creator-driven slate of titles called the IDW Originals, 
Um, and so they needed material they were looking. And so this was one of the very first books that Heather pitched. Um, and they said yes, almost right away. So we only had to pitch to one publisher because the editor happened to get higher at the time they happened to want creator driven series. And there you go. So well, and, and the, what was fabulous about that, I mean, the whole thing, you know, obviously has been a, a well-oiled machine, but the turnaround time on the pitch, it was like, cool, we're going to pitch it at IDW. And I think, I don't know, what was it? It was like two weeks later. It was like, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was so fast. Cause I mean, like the pitching, right. Uh, you, you said to pitch in and it's a little bit like shouting into the void. Yeah. You, know, you said yeah. it and then, you know, for like anywhere from like, usually more like three months to like a couple of years, you're sort of like, <laughs> is that, are we, hello? <laughs> is this on? <laughs> is anybody there? <laughs> Yeah, you know, because like publishers, they get generally so many pitches and, oh, yeah. you know, editors are overwhelmed and things like that. But it is, you know, I, I was I was so pleased that it was like, oh, I didn't have to, you know, like badger somebody six months down the road to be like, is this happening? You can say no. It's OK. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's better if you just say no and get it over with. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of that part of that is how IDW sets up its pitch process yeah. um, in terms of they my understanding is they, they have pretty regular pitch meetings where editors will pitch the projects mm -hmm. that they, they are most passionate about. And again, because we were there at the beginning with Heather, um, when Heather was still sort of building her lineup, then we, we were able to be as part of her first wave, which really, really helped matters. And then they're very good about out of a pitch meeting, they go, yay, nay, or maybe if you could get this involved or that involved and then bring it back at the next one in like a month or two weeks or mm -hmm. however long it is. So IDW is a really, really great system for reviewing its pitches, which is super helpful in terms of getting that turnaround time. And I'd say along with crashing, they've had some hits. Like, I'm sorry, I, I've got a couple of preview uh, books that are coming out in, in December or January from IDW that are just really good as well and a couple yeah. of that just recently released over the past couple of months like these originals are, are these these creator driven ones are really good and it's it makes me happy because you know as different intellectual properties move from publisher to publisher to publisher right. it's it's nice to know that like some good creator owned stuff and, and I, I thought about it this morning when i woke up i was like i love the fact that there's so many good new comics that are creator driven or creator owned, like, like crashing. Um, but I'm also mad at it because I just got into more independent stuff over the past couple of years. And mm -hmm. so it was mostly superhero in higher life other than spawn and, and walking dead were like my other two go-tos um, that I'm trying to also catch up on older classic, amazing independent comic books that I missed out on. And I'm like, I don't have enough time in the day to read all these things. So please stop making such good comics people now. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> Slow it down a little bit. Uh, and it doesn't help with getting uh, advanced copies now to, to, to get some some promotion out for you guys uh, that I basically feel obligated to read some of these new things. And But I also taught myself that if I don't like something, I'm not going to read it anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's like, you know, if you get halfway through it and either the art's not clicking, uh, you know, lettering is not clicking, the story's not clicking, then then just, then just then you can stop. Uh, if it's not something you really want to read, then don't, yeah. you don't have to read. And, and that's one of those things. There's such a good amount of, good projects out there that you don't you'll find something you like and, yeah and and, and, yeah. and i was glad with crashing that i did like it because you know it made me want more uh and i hate myself for being a comic book fan because the monthly thing sucks i want to just <laughs> read it all now <laughs> but well, it, it, that's actually we're, we're starting to see that more in the marketplace yeah. because there are so many options a lot of a lot of stores will buy really high on issue one yeah 
And then by issue three, they're barely buying the book at all, but they're buying it in trade paperback. Yes. Like they're, they're buying the collection. That's where they're actually making their sales. And because a lot of readers, similar to you, Justin, they're, they're getting overwhelmed. One, it's very expensive to yes. do that on a week by week basis. It's way more expensive than it's ever been. So a lot of, especially for miniseries like Crashing, that's brand new IP yeah. and it's only five or six issues or four issues, they'll buy number one. They're like, oh, I like this. And then when the trade comes out, they jump back into it and they can read the whole thing. But also reading habits are changing yeah. because consumption habits are changing. We are we are a binge culture. Binge now. culture, yeah. Um, and, and people want the deal. Also, they like the deal that binge culture is. Um, and so- trade paperbacks that's the deal that's what you get all your content at once it's one of the reasons manga is still so yeah. popular you get a giant 200 page book unlike a 112 page image graphic novel that's four issues um you actually get a whole giant that's 80 pages of story yeah. you get you know 192 to 202 pages of manga uh, and it's a big giant installment and if it's something like blue lock that just came out mm -hmm. it's coming out every two months it's not bad for a release yes. schedule yeah. So, so that's, and, and that's where the next generation of comics readers are manga readers right now. So that's how their brain is wired. They are wired to, it's similar to a book market, right? So that's where they are. So graphic novel sales are going up and up yep. and up and up and up. And comic sales are staying flat and flat and flat and flat for the most part. And those retailer exclusive variants are driving a lot of those increased sales and, and variants are driving a lot of sales. Yes. Um, so it's, it's fascinating. The whole world the, yes. with comics has been changing and going <laughs> towards this direction. We're seeing it now more than ever. It's awesome. I'll always be a floppy comic book person. I don't, I just, to me, oh, I, I think it's part of, it's an artist thing. Like I want to see sure. each cover, you know, covers are big to me and all that stuff. I think it's the, you know, collect bagging and boarding. I think there's a, I wrote an article uh, during a couple months ago about uh, mental health and comic books and how it's not mm -hmm. just reading complex as escapism to another world to help me but it was the organization it was the cataloging it was the bagging and boarding that got my mind away from yeah. the crap we were dealing with it's a ritual and, yeah yes. totally it's it's the ritual yeah but uh <laughs> we can talk uh business all day long right yeah <laughs> um but it, crashing it, you know was it so it was obviously pitched as a mini series to start off with too. it wasn't ever going to be an ongoing thing um yeah the the whole idea that to mix your your idea of having um you know superpower kind of similar in my one of my favorite comic book story arcs of all time is uh, uh civil war from marvel and so they have this superhero registration act which is like i said that shows parallels um to the powered registration act in in um in crashing the visuals are amazing in it i think there's a mixture of everything i think your eyes is the team you have built with uh you know the lettering the boxes the the the, the bubbles are, are unique and fit uh morgan fit your art style really well oh I yeah think that's, i think the merge it, of that so and how they get together is amazing yeah Haas, i think it's like one of the best letters you know working in, in comics right now he just he kills it you know and like on this book yeah same thing when i got you know the 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 pdf back that was lettered and everything it just it does fit the style so well um and i know he does that in all of his books he's incredibly he has an incredible range um so yeah i'm i'm glad you mentioned that because yeah it's it's pretty unique to the book and i do think it it fits very very well yeah 
the uh, again as an artist, I think I see things differently than some other people who are comic book readers who 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 may just focus on the storyline or uh, you know I read more comics than I do novels and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times now I've been looking more deep into comic books and how well the writer and the story and the script match the artwork very well. And I think this craziness of hospital being in a hospital and her, her you know Rose having to deal with not helping people but helping people and so on and so forth that the, the style of artwork that you have morgan does fit very well with that because it's there's this i hate to say messiness to it but there's this i don't know say chaos gritty. I, yes <laughs> gritty. and that, there's That's this a deeper gritty. thing a gritty <laughs> gritty and, and and the addiction part of it and all that stuff mm-hmm. like i could almost see your artwork in some sort of like addiction plant pamphlet of like this is what you should not so. do to get addicted because <laughs> i That's think my that dream. like <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love to have like a methadone clinic. It's be like using or Morgan's artwork from this series, absolutely to help people like understand what the what the process is. Wasn't that like yeah. Stan Lee at the very beginning? Wasn't he like writing uh, uh, like a STD like ad? I think so. Yeah, for the I think military that was like or something. Like day jobs for, for advertising was STDs. It was like yes. BD. it was BD. Yeah, BD. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but yeah. you know, there's always a story. And there's like, hey, as long as you get paid, right? Listen. I mean, yeah. If you want to do it as a, as a living, yeah, you gotta get. Yeah, that's the realist talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they do it and add on to that that cohesiveness and the, the whole book is uh, uh, colors. You know, yeah. Triona is that how you say your name? Triona uh, Farrell. Yeah. yeah, Tree. She goes yeah. by Trina. Um, Farrell, uh, the, the color is the same thing. It has this like uh, not pastel, but like lighter color, but uh-huh. also bright color. Um, and then uh, you know the way that the colors are added to the angles. You know, I don't want to give anything. I want people to read this comic book. So I don't like giving away too much in the comic book. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a shot where the the laser vision type stuff going through the eyes, and that angle is just beautiful, and the colors and everything. So like I said, the whole thing is a great comic book, and that's why you know, spoiler alert to anybody when we do our comics of the year, it's probably a chance <laughs> that crashing ends up on that list. So, uh, just what? Just have you read issue three? Did you get the? I have not read issue three yet. Oof. It's it's get ready, man. Because um, <laughs> I mean, this but, episode technically we're, we do I do it about a week in advance, so this episode will drop on the twenty third, and so week uh, issue three comes out um, on Wednesday, sixteenth, yeah. um, and so My yeah, birthday. so that it's, well, happy birthday! Um, we it's the best birthday in the world. Ever. Like, I'm so excited for this birthday. And so, and then is it five issue series? So yeah, so is it yeah, three would be issues. this twenty, and then so the last issue will be in twenty twenty three, right? It'll be in January. Yeah, January. Yeah. yeah. So, but there's one out in December as well, so you can get that all in that. And then there will obviously will be a trade for this as well. Um, yeah. Speaking of waiting, out, I think it's next June. I think the yes. trade's coming out May or June. Yeah, right around there. Yeah, and we'll, we'll I'll I'll be getting that too. I don't like I said I don't have a problem with some trades. It's just to <laughs> me, and it, there is one thing I read. Uh, we ride Titans. Uh, trade and there was something that cool about that there's the, the graphic design part of it where the chapters you know like some trades are broken up in chapters some are just go straight through um yeah that the chapter artwork was really cool too that added to it uh, but i almost feel like trade should have a page a splash page in it of the artwork from the cover of the comic book that came out if it comes out in floppies originally because i think a lot that, of them do like i think that'd be great it, yeah. it de- I think I think Image does that. It, it's all sort of dependent book to book. Covers in the back, like it's yes. not necessarily like in the chapter breaks, but yeah, I I've seen it both ways. I know Marvel used to do that. DC used to have like as the chapter breaks. Like I think um I think my Gotham Central hardcovers mm-hmm. over there have that 
um, in there. They, the the cover art always goes in into the trade somewhere. Somewhere, right? yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I I'm with you. I kind of like having because again, it sort of mimics the experience because that cover art is supposed to to do something for your reading. Yes. Experience. And these covers are, are, are gripping, like the idea, all the variant covers, it makes you, you know how crazy it was that drug paraphernalia was, you know, interpreted in a comic book years ago um, in a DC comic book that seeing that on a page and now you guys have like pills on the, yeah. on the cover of a comic book. It's just like how, how far we've come in the comic book industry that allows that to happen uh, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you would get as many people to read the comic book if you didn't got to get that idea on the front of the cover like say this is about yeah you know, the medical medical drama but it's also about addiction which is really cool it's, rosa's story is one of an addict you know mm. that's that's the the thing it's it's a there are superheroes in it but it's not a superhero book you know to to your part and that's one of the reasons i love what morgan has done with this is it does not look like a quote-unquote you know big two superhero comic no. this looks like a character drama which it is this is about a story of an addict who thinks she's got it under control and then is pushed to the limit where oh my god maybe i don't um and then what are the consequences of of that choice yes and you know her addiction it, it's is a major is more of a driving force i would argue than superpowers in mm -hmm. this thing um, because her superpower is saving people. She just does it with a scalpel. And instead of a cape, she wears, you know, a white coat um, and a stethoscope. Like that is her uniform. <laughs> that is her superhero uniform. Um, so it was which really is, important. Which is kind of funny because, I mean, how many times did you see during the pandemic that, you know, the nurses and, and, and doctors are the superheroes uh, of the world? So it's kind of cool to see that connection in that too. Yeah. And, but, but they're, and, but like all heroes, they're flawed. Yes. They're fallible. Yes. They have they have stuff going on just like the rest of us. And and Rose is no exception to that. And in her case, you know, her addiction is to save people. And and that is what fuels everything else that she every other choice that she makes, good or bad. Um, and they all have consequences. So get ready for issue three. Um, <laughs> so I mean, quickly before we finish up here, because I want to get you guys uh, moving along, but um you uh, Morgan you've obviously uh illustrated for other superheroes and, and and things like that too do you like this uh more independent creator driven style more than doing a big two comic book yeah I mean to be fair I, I haven't done um a ton of big two comics yes. I think my side is a little bit yes. generally yeah. side. um you know and even the big book that I did for DC um was Swamp Thing Twin Branches yeah. um which was like so much fun but that was also like not really your classic you know i've never really drawn somebody like in a cape in yes yeah. <laughs> well, wonder woman you had the the wonder woman story yeah. right yeah That's... even that one which was again so fun um we, we, since it's wonder woman black and white those stories get to be like a little bit freer yeah. um and so we even came at it a little bit more like okay we want this to feel like a greek myth yes you know Not, kind of yeah. like armor and different uh, i guess she did technically have a cape in that pair but yes um but again it, it, it's not so much the kind of like high chrome <clears throat> superhero comics uh that you you were getting other places because again i mean you, you like you said with the kind of grittiness and my style you see in crashing like that's kind of my style all around um and most people when they see my art are not like yeah superheroes. <laughs> well that, yeah um, superhero yeah i don't see you drawing like i said oh superman that looks exactly like superman yeah i know shit. yeah i can understand what you're saying i crushed a dead man book dc just yeah <laughs> I would um, write a Dead Man book as well. I think if people want to bring the, the team of Crashing onto Dead Man, come on, DC. That's like kind Go of funny too. Crashing, like crashing Dead Man. No, no. 
no well, i'll have it yeah. <laughs> let's do that crossover come on um but, but no i i i really enjoy um i mean i i've been, i've enjoyed you know, playing in other people's playgrounds in, in terms of IP and then also, um, you know, working on kind of more creator and creator driven books. I like new stories and I like stories that have a lot of, you know, where you get to, you know, dive into that, that interpersonal melodrama more, right? Like I like to draw like people's feelings yes. <laughs> or, you know, like uh, body horror or just like things that are going to be like a little bit more, I don't know, interpersonal. Um, and then I also, I, you know, I like when a, I like a story to end. Mm-hmm. which I think is also sometimes some of the hard thing about some of like the big two books right is that you have these legacy characters you know almost like Greek myths and they're, and they're just going to continue on forever uh, understandably um, yeah. but I like that you can build that arc right where you have the beginning and then the high-pitched middle um, and then you can kind of wrap it up um, I think that's really important to like the strength of the story so yes. I generally I enjoy working on that kind of property more where we can actually you know maybe the ending's not even going to be for a while but at least like it's plotted out it will yes happen. yes <laughs> And uh, I, I'm guessing you now like this a lot, Matthew, that you're going to write another comic book. Oh, absolutely. Um, ID, IDW has multiple pitches from me right now. They will they will be my right of first refusal going forward because uh, it's been such an incredible experience. Um, and and look, if if you like crashing enough, if people like crashing enough, support the book, buy the book mm-hmm. at your local comic shop when the trade comes out. If you're if you're trade waiting you know, give it a good boost. Um, and here's hoping someday maybe it gets bought up by a giant streaming service too, because yes. all, all of that is, is what is required to, to get kind of a second arc. Um, there are plenty of more stories to tell in this one. I've actually been toying with the next one. So we'll, we'll see. Um, <laughs> but for right now, we've, we've got a great beginning, middle and end. Um, it's going to absolutely devastate and then hopefully uplift. And <laughs> that is... That is the goal uh, that we have. So at, at this point in the journey. So, I mean, I highly recommend picking up Crashing. Again, uh, issues one and two are out. Three, by the time this episode comes, is out. So grab that at your LCS. And again, four and five will be in December and January. And trades and there's digital options too. So like just get reading on this because I definitely agree with the fact that it's a good book to read and that uh, you guys nailed it. So uh, keep up the good work. And I'll be following you guys some more and uh, we'll get you back on some point in the future and talk about future projects. If you guys are cool with that. Oh, look at that cat. What's the cat's yeah. name? Oh, this is Bato. She's coming to say hi. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for guys for coming on. You guys are both on social media too. Um, if you guys want to put out your names, you can. Uh, they'll be in the article, the post too, if you want. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at uh, MacTheKnife1116. Um, and then you can find me for now on Twitter at uh, MatthewKlein316. Um, Mastodon coming soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just, I'm just at Morgan Beam pretty much wherever I have social media, so. Awesome. Uh, I really appreciate it for you guys coming on, talking, crashing, pick it up LCS uh, and pick up the trade next year when it comes out. Um, Again, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.